Hello, everybody. Welcome and thank you for listening in today. Uh, We are in our ninth week of our current sermon series, The Ten Commandments. We are on commandment number nine, thou shalt not give false testimony, or as many people like to think is do not lie. But is that actually what the Bible is trying to tell us? I kind of think so, and we're going to dive deep into that today. So again, thanks for listening. Um, We would love it if you would come join us one Sunday in person. Our services are live every single Sunday at 11 o'clock. Hey, go to our website at www.17scc.com. You can actually watch our services live from there and also listen to all the past and previous ones and get some more information about the church and upcoming events and so on from there. So again, thanks for listening today. I'm excited about this message. I really enjoyed it and enjoyed diving into it. And just to give you a little bit of a warning, at the end of the conversation today, I'm possibly giving you the most difficult piece of homework anyone's ever given you. So make sure you stay tuned to the very end. It's kind of the concluding of the message for possibly the hardest thing you'll ever be asked to do, in my opinion. So again, thanks for listening. I ask if you enjoy this, share it with a friend. That way they can grow as well. Again, thanks and enjoy. Being here today, if you're watching online or listening for the first time, my name is Mike and I'm happy you chose to be here today. Really quickly, I was going to let you know, me and Jenna did something yesterday that we've never done before. And so some of you will think it's exciting. Some of you might uh, need to give us some advice. Um, I've lived in London my entire life. Never have I been to Nibrock. Until yesterday, I am paying the consequences, church, okay? So we're just going to leave it at that. But anyway, it was a good time. We got our funnel cake in, and we're good to go for a a while now. But anyway, it was was a good time. We had had a good time. But again, welcome. Thank you guys for being here. Before we get started this morning, I want to let you guys know um, that last week, uh, we kind of concluded our collection of the previous week. We were taking up donations of water, food, and really any, or excuse me, water and clothes, and really anything you had to be sent out to Eastern Kentucky. We were able to deliver that this past week. Um, The channel that we used to get there is I, myself, we didn't actually go all the way there. Um, We went and kind of partnered with some people that worked at Martin's Peterbilt in London, and there was a guy who works there who's a part of the East East Burnset Fire Department, and they were taking trips every single week. And so you can kind of see this was what all you guys were able to donate. You can't really tell, but the back of the church van was full of clothes, okay? It was kind of hard. I didn't do a good job of taking pictures, and it was, it was crammed full and water and all sorts of things. He was very, very, very pleased whenever we were there loading it all into the trailer. And so on behalf of them, thank you guys for what all you were able to do. But we got to talking, and he did say that he was worried that whenever the lights go away, when the news stops talking about it, these people are still going to be in so much hurt, but no one's going to know. And so I gave him my contact information. He's like, hey, if there's ever a need, you just let us know. So that could be happening in the future. may even be physical. Like, you know, hey, let's go do something. Not sure. So just kind of stay tuned for that. But you were able to give a little bit to that. Thank you. Um, That stuff is all going to be going to a great place and a great need. Um, But today, we are going to start winding down our conversation we've had over the past few months. One I've really enjoyed, one that's been challenging for me as we've been walking through the Ten Commandments. Every single week we've picked a different command and we've kind of broke it down. And hopefully the goal has been that these commandments are more than just that first truth that we read when we get there. There's a lot more to them. Yes, that obvious truth is real. For example, when we talked about murder, yes, murder of all kinds is sin. But it was deeper than that. Last week we talked all about stealing. Any type of stealing is sinful. We talked about that last week, but we went a little bit deeper. That's not just possessions. 
but it's also intellectual thoughts and ideas. Maybe we even steal people's joy at times. But we kind of got down to the root of stealing, the root of being a thief, and that root is selfishness. And so the idea I threw at you, don't know if you grabbed it or not, but what if this command was not telling us to not just not do something? Sorry, that was a lot of knots. What if it was just not just telling us not to do something, but also telling us to do something? It wasn't just saying, hey, don't steal, or hey, don't be self, self, uh, selfish. I'll get it out, church. Don't, it's the funnel cake. Don't be selfish, but what if it's telling us be selfless? What if that's what Jesus is really trying to let us know? And so we kind of talked about it a little bit, and we went over some tips, and the main thing was this. We looked at what's the opposite of stealing? It's giving. And so the idea is if you are someone who struggles with the idea of taking things that don't belong to you, it's something that you don't share with many people. It's kind of a hidden sin, not that most of them, most of them are hidden. (laughs) Try giving. Maybe that's your first step into conquering that sin that we've been told not to do. But today... We're going to continue on with commandment number nine. So we're winding down. I'm excited about today's conversation. I wish mom was here today, but she's up in Ohio, and I, hope, I was hoping she'd get to hear this part. But I remember growing up um, at the Hopkins house, there was something we would do every single night. I, I feel like it was every single night. It's probably the way I am the way I am. But if we weren't watching a ball game on TV, we were always watching a cop show. I just realized that all my memories of my family is us sitting around the TV watching these cop shows. You'll see some of here. Dad's favorite show was NCIS. I mean, it's all we did was watch NCIS every single Monday. I mean, I, can't, I don't even know how Griggs is still alive, church, if he even is. I mean, it's NCIS, NCIS, NCIS. We watched a lot of Hawaii Five O, CSI, Criminal Minds. I never got into SVU. Jenna, those were a little bit too dark for me. Jenna likes that. It was just always these cop shows. I don't know why, but that was just the Hopkins Entertainment. But there was one show me and dad always watched together, and no one else has ever watched it. But it was JAG. Many of you may have heard of it. None of my friends have ever heard of it. It came out in the 90s, I think, late 90s. But that was a show me and my dad always watched together when he was off on Mondays during the summer. These were naval lawyers. So it wasn't just a normal cop show. It had a lot to do with investigating in the courtroom, and it was all, you know, these military crimes and stuff like that. And I just remember always watching that growing up. And it got me kind of thinking this week, courtrooms are exciting, maybe if you're not the one in them. <laughs> but when you're watching and listening, there was a case on a few months ago, Jenna like watched it every single night. She got on the phone and just watched this, fam- this court case that was going on. Court cases are kind of exciting. I, I like a good you know, lawyer scene. They stand up, they tell you all the facts, they get the jury, everybody gasps, and, <gasps> and, you know, someone's, and it's just kind of an exciting moment. They're like, court is just kind of cool in that way. But if you were a good lawyer... There's something that you would want to have. You'd want to have a good eyewitness, right? If you're trying to defend your person, you're trying to get someone to be guilty, there's something you're going to try to get. You want eyewitnesses, right? But there's a problem. The problem is this. Eyewitnesses are humans, and so our eyes usually see what they want to see. Sometimes our eyes don't see the full picture, and people get, have mistakes. Sometimes our eyes lie to us. Even people in court, they lie to protect themselves, to protect this, protect that. And it causes a lot of problems. Mike, why are we talking about the court? It's because it's interesting that God brings us up in his Ten Commandments. Looky here. 
Commandment number nine, Exodus chapter 20. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And many people will take this and say, thou shalt not lie. And that's a deeper conversation we're going to get to here in just a few minutes. But we're going to kind of see those kind of hand in hand today. But it's very, very sure that God wants us to know that when it comes to legal matters, stay honest. And you know why? Because when we're dishonest, when we lie, if you lie in court, it's a crime called perjury. And it can get very serious, by the way. If you lie to the, to the right, in the right way, you can get in prison for up to five years and have all sorts of fines. It's very, very important. And when we're dishonest, it can destroy someone's lives. I wonder how many people in court, in cases and all these things, lives have been destroyed because someone's witness account was dishonest. Dishonesty destroys. Say that with me. Dishonesty destroys. If you are living a dishonest life, I want you to know you're destroying your relationships, you're destroying your soul, you're destroying everything around you. We've been called to live honest. Answer this question right now. It's in your bulletin. Do you struggle with honesty? Do you struggle with telling the truth? You know, it actually gets a little bit more interesting when we start talking about eyewitnesses. You know, now in recent history, we've got what? DNA. DNA tests is used a lot in court cases and crimes and all these things. There's actually this statistic I was reading the other day that says about 73% of eyewitness reports are proved false by DNA testing. Because our eyes don't always see what they think we're seeing. I thought about showing you guys this video, but I decided not to today. Many of you may have seen it before. But several years ago, Harvard was doing this eye test study. And what they did is they showed this video. And in this video, there was about eh, six, seven, eight different people. And half of them were wearing all black. And the other half were wearing all white. And in the video, they're kind of going around in circles. And they're passing basketballs. That's all they're doing. And so what they challenged the watcher to do was, hey, count how many times those in white passed the basketball. And it was really hard because, you know, they're, they're flying everywhere. And so this goes on for a few seconds. And at the end, it says, well, how many times did they pass? And, you know, everyone gives their guess. And it's like, well, did you notice anything weird in the video? And everybody's like, no. And then they play it back. And they say, now watch it. Don't count this time. Just watch. And there's this man that's dressed up in a gorilla costume that walks right across the group. And everyone's like, ah, because they weren't paying attention to everything. Our eyes deceive us. And I think God knows our eyes deceive us. Matthew 22 says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, we've talked a lot about how these commandments are broken into these two chunks. The first four are what our relationship with the Father, and six, five through ten are about our relationship with others. Love the Lord your God, and then love others. That's what we've been told to do. And we do that by being honest. Let me ask you this question. Honesty is difficult. I didn't hear any amens, but it is, right? It's hard at times. It's difficult at times because a lot of times when we're honest, it makes people mad at us. It puts us in awkward situations where it hurts us. It doesn't help us. It, so then that's when we, you know, come up with the lie. It's when we have to try to get our way out of this. And it's difficult. Are you in a position to where you're honest every single day? No matter how much it hurts you how much negativity it might pull you in, how many awkward conversations it puts you in, or do you just like, eh, I'll just be a little dishonest here, 
And that way it gets me out of, you know, the awkward conversation, the awkward this, the awkward that. Because honesty, church, is so much more than just the verbal lie, right? Think about this. You know, I walk home. I get home one day. I don't walk home. I get home one day. I walk in the door, and there's cat poop in the floor. Mike pretends he doesn't see the cat poop. So when Jenna gets home, what does she see? Cat poop. They pooped in the floor. Oh, really? I did? Yeah, I did, didn't they? Well, Jenna cleans it up because Mike didn't. He pretends he didn't see it. Even though I never saw it, I'm living dishonest. I know that's a really weird example, but church, when we live, do you struggle with honesty? Answer that question. Do you struggle with honesty? I think when we think of lies, we think of the big lies, don't we? We think of the ones that are huge, like, you know, are you cheating? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Did you steal? What did you watch? This? We think of lies as these big lies, but here's the problem. <laughs> a lot of us may struggle with that, but it's the little white lies that are getting every single one of us almost every single day. And there's a problem, church. The little white lie doesn't exist because all they do is they compound. We have to say one little white lie to get us, you know, out of trouble. What happens a couple days later? Well, we got to do it again. We got to do it again. Eventually, that lie just keeps getting bigger. Many of you maybe have watched VeggieTales, you know, with kids before in the past. There's an episode in VeggieTales where this alien like cucumber comes to Earth or something, I don't know. And the little junior asparagus, he lies about something. And every single time he lies, the cucumber gets a little bit bigger. Gets a little bit bigger. And before he knows it, all he's trying to do is lie and lie and lie and make sure he's not in trouble. And the next thing he knows, this giant like alien cucumber is destroying the city. It's a funny example. But your little white lies are causing havoc in your life. Those little bitty ones, the little bitty ones, the ones you don't even think about. How many times have you said this lie or heard this lie? How many times have you said, oh, yep, check's in the mail. I'll start my diet tomorrow. That's a big one. Have you ever heard someone say, hey, we service everything we sell. Money will be cheerfully refunded. How many of you heard that one? Hey, give me your number and the doctor will call you. How many times have we heard that? One size fits all. I'm, I feel, you know, that one gets to me a little bit. That's the biggest lie in the world. How about this? This hurts me more than it hurts you. I just need five minutes of your time. <laughs> That's a long five minutes. Let's have lunch sometime. Hey, if you need me, call me. It's not the money, it's the principle. I'm not mad at you. We're okay. I love you. How many times do we say just these little bitty white lies, church? Dishonesty is destroying your soul. It's getting so big and you don't even realize it. All you're doing is having to tell these little bitty lies, these little bitty dishonest truths, these little bitty things to try to keep things from falling apart, but you don't realize all you're doing is making the problem bigger and bigger and bigger. Do you have a problem with honesty? Do you? Do you have a problem with honesty? Let's kind of start here back what the verse was talking about. When we read the command, you know, God is speaking um, to Moses. He's speaking this way of in the court, right? He's on a legal matters first. We'll get to the lying part in a second. But he's saying basically, don't lie in court. Let's kind of start there. It's a famous story in Scripture. Many of you know it. It's in 1 Kings chapter 21. We're not going to read it. But if you want some good reading this week, go read that. 1 Kings chapter 21. It's about Naboth. He has a vineyard right next to King Ahab, okay? He's got this really nice garden, this really nice vineyard. It's a great spot right next to the palace. And King Ahab's like, I want that vineyard. I want your garden. I want your land. That way I can grow my crops. And here, I'll pay you great. Take as much land as you want. Here, I'll make sure it's okay. And Naboth's like, no, this was given to me through my family. I'm not going to give it up. It's mine. 
King Ahab, he gets upset. He's, he's like, he's the king. He's pouting. He goes back to his palace. He's upset. But then comes his wife, Jezebel. I feel like any time we say the word Jezebel in church, we all need to boo and hiss. But that's personally. So we're going to do that. So Jezebel, there you go. She comes in. He's like, hey, you're the king. What's upset? Well, I want this guy's vineyard. He won't give it to me. He's like, well, you're the king. Take it. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I'll get you that land. So she comes up with this big ruse, and we won't go over all the details. Go read 1 Kings 21 this week. It's a great read. And she ends up having him accused falsely in a legal matter. It says, hey, there, he's been doing this. Hey, he's been breaking the law. And eventually he gets put stoned to death outside the city just because he wouldn't give up what was his. A lie took someone's life. God says don't do it in a legal matter. It affects us in a very serious way. Leviticus 19.11 says, Do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. Don't do it in a legal matter. Because when we lie in court, it affects people down to the core. It can affect, it'll affect them for the rest of their lives on a financial way, an emotional way. It could even end their life. This is a great example. But what about the lying part? Church, it is my conviction that lying is a sin. Okay, and that's Mike's conviction and there's scripture to back that up. Leviticus 19, do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. You know, the, people like to say, what, sticks and stones may break my bones, words will never hurt me. That's a lie, right? It's the biggest lie. God commands us, don't hurt people by bearing false witness. He also says, do not deceive one another. I love this verse, this reading here. Look in James chapter 3. It's a little lengthy, but it's good. Or take the ships... As an example, all they owe, they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot wants to go, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no, listen to this, but no human being can tame the tongue. When I asked you that question, do you struggle with honesty? And you said no. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. But here's what's crazy. With our tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Church, the reason I say that is our tongues are dangerous. That one little lie, that one little dishonesty, it causes so many more effects than we realize. You know that? I wish I could go back in time and change some little bitty white lies because I saw them come, become something big. You had to pay the consequences for that. Mouth is a, the rudder that steers. Imagine you're about to set off from the airport or you're about to take sail or whatever. You're about to go several thousands or several hundreds of miles, whatever. And you, so you change your course by one degree. 
You could be on your way to New York, and you're going to end up in Miami. You're going to be heading this way, but one little degree, it's so small, no one's going to notice. But over time, you're going to end up somewhere you didn't plan on being. That's what happens, church, whenever we live dishonest life. Dishonesty destroys. It destroys. I know I've preached before on our tongue and its power before, and I've asked you this question, and I want to ask it to you again. Does your tongue, does your mouth, does it build or does it destroy? Answer that to yourself. Does your tongue, does it build others up or does it destroy people? It's probably destroying, by the way, if you're being dishonest. Dishonesty destroys. There's a couple truths about lying, by the way. These are in your notes. I don't think it's going to be on the screen, though. But the first one is this. Lying is a slander. That's in your notes. Lying is a slander. Psalms 101 says, Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. Those of us that are speaking negativity and dishonesty out of our mouths, you know what God says? I won't tolerate it. Then why do we do it? Well, Mike, there's forgiveness. There is forgiveness, but not when we don't try. <laughs> you know, hey, what do we need to do to be saved? Repent and be baptized. Well, if we're not trying, we're not repenting. It gets a little bit deep there, doesn't it? Lying is a slander, church. But it's also subtle. Lying can be subtle. That's the second one in your notes. It's subtle. Lying is sneaky. We don't always catch it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? I want to make this very, very clear. If you are living a dishonest life, if you struggle with even just a little white lies, you have to stop. Because God won't tolerate it. There's no room for dishonesty in his kingdom. We have to stop. This is something Mike even struggles with. Last thing in the world I want to do is be too honest with someone and get them mad at me. Okay? When someone's mad at Mike, it's like my world's burning down. Just ask Jenna, okay? This, this is something Mike struggles with too, okay? So it's okay to admit you can struggle with it, okay? Dishonesty destroys. So what do we do? Well, first of all is this. If you were in this room today and you have not given your life to Jesus, you want to know the first thing you can do in order to fix a dishonest life is this. You must pursue truth. Well, what's truth? We actually read it this morning in John 14. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay? If you've not given your life over to Jesus, that's step one. In order to fix your dishonesty is we have to pursue Jesus. Okay? You need to make a decision today and says, I'm going to try to my very best for the rest of my days to mimic Jesus here on earth. I'm going to be more Christ-like. I'm going to give my life over to him. That is step one. Okay? Well, Mike, I'm already a Christian. What am I supposed to do? Church, I've got bad news for you. I'm about to give you the most difficult homework you've ever had in your life. It's definitely the hardest thing I've ever challenged you to do, I think, in my opinion, since I've been here. I'm going to challenge you this week to do this honesty challenge. These are going to be in your notes. Every single day for seven days, let's see how good you can be. I challenge you every single day, don't do a single one of these. Don't do one of them. Let's live a life that's honest, okay? And they're hard. You ready? Number one, this week, don't gossip. Well, I lost. 
This week, do not gossip. 2 Corinthians 12, 20 says, For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be. Does that not scare you, by the way? I may not find you as I want you to be, and you will not find me as I want you to be. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Do you think you can go seven days without any gossip? No, let's try. But number two, this is a hard one. Can you go seven days without a complaint? In your home, in your work, at church, wherever. Can you go seven days without a complaint? Look at James 5, 9. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged, and the judge is standing at the door. That scares me when I get into complaining. I was talking to um, Karen and Marianne last, at, at a funeral yesterday, and I was, like, complaining about something. I said, Marianne, I'm going to complain right now because tomorrow I'm about to tell everybody else they can't. Okay, that's funny, but. Can you go a week without complaining? Can you? Nope. we got work to do. How about this one? Can you go a week without any criticism of anybody, whether it's your spouse, your kids, your boss, your neighbor, whoever it is? Proverbs 29, 22 says, An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Can you go a week without any criticism? Can you do it? How about this one? This one's, I think, a little... Difficult, but they're all difficult. Can you go a week without not taking blame? Or can you go a week without taking any blame? Can you not blame shift this week? You know, you get accused of something and you're like, well, you throw someone else under the bus. I think a lot of us, we get good at that, don't we? Can you go a week without blaming someone else, taking responsibility? Romans 2, 1 says, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Can you go a week without shifting any blame? Can you do it? But this one. Can you go a week without being defensive? Even when someone comes up to you and they say something to you, it's, mm, it gets you. <laughs> You're mad. Can you go a week without popping them right back? whether physically or with our words. Romans 12, 19, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. Can you go a week without being defensive? What about this one? Can you go a week without boasting? Can you? James 4.16, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Can you go, Mike, why are we doing this? Because when we do these things, we're living a dishonest life, church. We're being selfish. You know what happens when you do any of these things? You're more worried about yourself than you are others. And we're breaking these commandments. Can you go a week without boasting? Last one. Can you go a week without lying? Big or small. Not just lying, deception. Remember, not all of our lies are vocal. I didn't say I didn't see the poop, <laughs> but I acted like I didn't. Proverbs chapter 6, there are six things the Lord hates. Seven of them are detestable to him. Haughty eye, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies in a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Proverbs 12, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Church, 
this might be the hardest homework you've ever been given. Corey, you leave that up there just for another minute. Can you go a whole week this week without doing one of those? I know that's hard. That is difficult. I get it. Even when I'm writing these down, I'm like, man, I don't know if I can do that for a whole week. Well, here's what I want you to do. Even when you fail tomorrow, don't stop. Don't give up. Even when you say something you're not supposed to say, when you act a way you weren't supposed to do, whenever you mess up tomorrow, don't stop, okay? Because you know what happens when we fail and we just give up? We're telling God, says, hey, I don't really care about what you want. I just care about myself, and it's too hard. You're too difficult for me. This week, let's see if we can live a life that's honest. And you know what happens when you come in next week and you broke every one of them 14,000 times? There's this one word that you can have peace with, and that is there is still God's grace. Let's pray. Father.